2: BS yeah. <laughs> <right there.
3: laughs> Welcome to the ultimate Cleveland sports show. It is Tuesday after an opening week win so no you're not seeing things if we can take the wide shot bull is still out today it's he's recovering mm-hmm. and Jason Lloyd is in his it's place so the deal with with uh, I think we should address this right off the top yeah. <laughs> G Bush and I were—I I mean, we were just kind of thunderstruck <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. We thought Thunder that it was—we thought it was a gag. Yeah. Because as soon as Bull goes to the Steelers-Bengals, or yeah, Steelers-Bengals game, first time it had been brought up right. the entire show, he reaches for the trash can, which he was—he had sitting next to him because mm-hmm. he initially had called out of work yesterday. Then he decided, no, 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 no. I have to dance on Baker's grave. He's like <laughs> I, I want, must come it's in. It's worth
0: bringing this virus yeah. into the whole team. Yeah,
3: let's make everyone So sit. that I no, can He had, what he did was, he had a bad migraine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I think he brought on From the the, Guys, the stress that Bull puts on himself (laughs) Mm -hmm. during a game on a normal basis is immense. But this was Bull's Super Bowl of all Super Bowls. It had to go okay. It had to go okay. It had to. And and the fact that for one brief moment there or 10 minutes in clock time, real time, it looked like it was not going to end well and he was Mm going to have to sit in that chair yesterday and face that music. Yep. I I think <laughs> it was almost self-induced. I'm not a doctor. And, and, and now, I mean, now 30 years is. from now, Who's when, when I really do look, look like that, maybe I'll be a doctor. <laughs> uh-huh. see, see how they did you? They could have. Dude, that's, that is the worst <laughs> depiction of any human I've ever seen. It, it, like, they didn't give you
4: no coloring on the hair. <laughs> it
3: is, they could have outlined that boy. <laughs> it <laughs> they is, they it's just George. a
0: stencil of George <laughs> W. Bush. It's
3: clearly just a I stencil know, of George I made w. somebody mad. Who did that? I know it's Cleveland Clothing Company, but did they actually do the cartoon
5: look or what? They have a cartoonist. Yeah. I bet well, they I deal. think it's uncanny. Well, they
3: look just like me. They look like me resembling. <clears> throat> <They> throat> did, you know what? I think they nailed you to a T. <laughs> yes yeah. <It's just>, <laughs> That's little, me. The baby yep. arms, I just... <laughs> Well, you gotta f- feel better, buddy. It. they got Tavis, but his teeth though. are a little bit Beavis and Butt headed ish
0: <laughs> yeah. And then I don't know. I like you trying to give us give us a good flat surface I'm right now. I'm so I haven't breathed. So there's contorted half. <laughs> look. so, anyway, it looks like we're all
3: falling down a hill. Our thoughts are with Adam today. Um, yeah. I guess he slept 15 hours yesterday. That was his body's way of saying. You That's put great. too much stress on me yesterday, so I'm going to take
2: What a break day. for his wife, too. <laughs> Honestly.
3: <laughs>
0: well, I,
2: te- I texted him a little bit yesterday, and he said he had taken a three-hour nap, and he was feeling much, much better.
3: Yeah, I was texting as
0: well. We texting um, I took a 10-hour nap. I'm feeling much louder.
3: <laughs> yes. Thank you. The, I don't think you can get any louder. <laughs> but, 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 in all seriousness, um, our thoughts are with you today. Get well soon. And I'm glad this game is behind all of us, but I'm more particularly uh, thrilled that it's behind Bull. Yes. Because I don't know that I've ever seen a human body stress and react. Yeah, he's convalescing now. He's getting better after
0: a long... The The funny
3: thing was, somebody hit G-Bush up on Twitter when it wasn't going well and said... Hey, has anybody checked on Jay Wellness check. Yeah, and, I remember that. And, and G Bush was like, yeah, I have. Uh, fam, he's resting comfortably in stable condition. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, he who talks too early can never and get then, that foot out of
4: their mouth. And then I was expecting, I was like, man, you know Jay don't tweet. I was <laughs> like, yes, like if he gives me a tweet on this, I know he's up watching this game. Oh, yeah. And you could tell that fourth quarter came.
3: He, it got crickets in our
4: chat. It got by the it way. got quiet as hell. <laughs> mm-hmm. When Baker ran that touchdown in and threw that ball against that little back that backdrop you mm-hmm. seen on the field, I was like, oh, all man. the quips stopped. Yeah, Dang, then
3: oh. I wanted to check on your condition <laughs> and
4: Bulls' condition. <laughs> hey, listen, I told my wife, don't I'm not taking any calls, no phone calls. <laughs> I'm going off the grid. <laughs> I'm off the grid. I turned my mm-hmm. Wi-Fi off.
5: I yep. unplugged the internet. <laughs> Changed his name. I fit legally. Yeah, right. we ain't gonna do this. <laughs> Not today. All right. Um, Wait, before but before really. we get into today's stuff, Pope, what's that you were in Carolina? For I was, game. yes. Can you just give us a real quick update on what? Yeah. the what was like Stadium that? situation sure. and what, what that whole drama at the end was like from a fan's perspective in Carolina.
0: It was something else. It was uh, proud. It was demoralizing for that fan base. Obviously, although oh. they already feel pretty broken. They really do feel like a Browns-based junior because they, as I mentioned to you guys, it's like they have the same chip on their shoulder, they have the same sense of, like, frustration, but without the success of, like, the 1960s to reflect back on fondly and the statuary outside the stadium where they can be like, we were good once, though, weren't we? You know, like, so they've already got a little – they're a little bit of insecurity there, uh, but they – we honestly, I swear we were we had to be at least as loud as that fan base there. There were so many Browns like fans there.
3: It felt like a Browns yeah. home
0: game. Not only were there so many Browns fans there, but I think that they are just significantly louder and probably drunker, I think, because yeah. uh, of just everything we're going through, maybe. But they traveled really well. Um, I You could not go 10 feet without getting barked at or, or have, running wow. into somebody from Cleveland. Yeah. I, of course. And when you're down there, because Cleveland's such a small town, I'm like, hey, it's my dentist. Like every, you know, <laughs> right. one yeah. out of every three people is just like, so <laughs> Mike? And I'm like, there, oh, yeah.
4: There's a lot of Cleveland people in Charlotte. I lived there, there for yeah, there like almost two years. And it's like, you can go down the street and you go to a bar. They just
0: out, pulled yeah. up and they just watching the game. I'm like, what is this? Man? Yeah, a lot of them escape. Like, that's like the kind of a close way to escape this weather. Yeah. Where you're not making a huge commitment, like going to Florida or LA or something like that, but you're getting into slightly nicer weather, so you're not as yeah. miserable during the winter. So we, they do There's, get a lot the of that. Browns
3: fan bases are everywhere. My son goes to a Browns backers bar in New York. Mm-hmm. And he sent the video to me of post-kick. Yes. And I got to tell you... I. I'm willing to bet. I saw that video. I mean, it, it looked like a. Yeah.
2: Cleveland sports bar. Right. There
3: were easily 300 where, people there. In, and they
2: absolutely. Was that? I, I know that where that it's like brother something. Yeah.
3: I, my son place. goes there every week. Yeah. I was worried. I know he, the guy that kind have, of organizes a ton that, of does a great job with it. They
0: have a ton of Browns backers bars, obviously all over the country. He to, when, it's when, like when he was one at of the, the Olympic most,
3: training center. he would go to the Browns backers, uh, bar in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And that would be packed to the gills. When I actually
2: went once with them. We were in Brazil for, uh, Cavs preseason game with the heat. LeBron's first year back, mm-hmm. there was a Browns bar in Rio de Janeiro. They yeah. Had the Browns Are game you kidding on. me? And they had a Browns game on in Rio de Janeiro. How many it fans? Was... Were you there during a the game? Yeah, we watched the game there. My wife and I, uh, Beth McLeod the was there. Yeah. Bunch of Cavs people. That's crazy. It wasn't a. I mean, it wasn't like what we saw in New York. But right. It, it it's had a, the Browns game on. It's a mixed bag because they
0: say we we have the most. So I think us in Pittsburgh have the most uh, like brown, backers bars for us. We co- even more than the Cowboys. And huh? part yeah, and I'm part of it's supposed that. to be well. The thing is. Uh, we move good. We all leave. Yeah, we, you know what I mean. It's. it's you got, I, I don't want to say it. Exactly. <laughs> but, but that's exactly why they're there all aren't in the a place, lot of San Diego brands. that stayed in Cleveland. Bars.
2: Everybody else left. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
3: I wonder how, how, <laughs> how the Chargers back. Car car Chargers does backers, in Strongsville. Exactly.
0: <laughs> so, but we all get out of here. But the, um, <laughs> uh, they, I saw it was fun to watch the Charlotte crowd go through the entire Baker Mayfield experience within four quarters. Ah, yeah, they yes. got the full on experience. I don't know. The if the, I don't joint. know. I, I still haven't rewatched the game. I literally got back. Our flight <laughs> got canceled last night, oh, and no. I we flew. I got up and flew at three o'clock in the morning, and then came oh, here after a wow. nice connection in Detroit. Kid Rock senses love. Um, <laughs> that's the flight I was on yesterday morning.
2: Was it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I was on that one. That's yeah, where I came nice. from. Shout and out I, to I, Trick. I, so tricks. I still stink like Charlotte. <laughs> um, but. Watching that, so I couldn't watch the game yet. But I, he was getting. I, I, you have to tell me this. It, he was getting booed in the first quarter. Oh, it, like, it, 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 oh it yeah, oh, yeah. oh yeah. and Absolutely. I'm listening, and I'm oh, yeah. just like, man, they got, they got. Hey, no, no pun intended here, but they got this guy on a short leash because <laughs> if they are this far in and they are already booing him, that is not. Well, uh, then I, I saw the six
3: yards in the first half. That first quarter had Something to do with it. But that didn't help. But
0: for, but first of all, I'm thinking to myself, who's behind this? You guys, your second two, your second string and third string quarterback are out. Yeah. So now you're going to be bringing. You're. What are you compl- who What's your best case scenario? You're bringing in. I don't even know who the backup. Guy I think was. McCaffrey now. Is the but He's then I watched that up. fan base, though. I saw what Baker does because I watched him chip back in, chip back in, show some heart, get hit, get back up and stuff. And I saw this fan base like, OK, got to respect that. And then I saw him be like, this guy's really doing it. And I saw them like and then I'm just, <laughs> and I'm watching it happen. I'm just like, this guy did this to us. It's for four toxic, years. Really it's the exact same thing. <laughs> and yeah. then he blew it. And they're all just like, but wait, then, how did he blow it? Well, you know what I mean. The, they they blew. The they, game, they, yeah, they lost the game. game
3: because Jason and I were in agreement yesterday. Like they didn't lose that game because of Baker well, Mayfield. Well, he, he didn't do him any favors in the
5: first half. No, but he That's had him in sure. He had him are two with too. a minute and to we go. We're not going to get into a Baker whose fault was this <laughs> yeah, <game>. no. <laughs> no, we're not. That's we're way. Adam Boy. We have, you have to talk. Adam Boy. Not let us go down that. Let's bad. do this. That's totally true. It's
3: 11:09 on Tuesday. Yes, we're officially turning the page. O- yes. Okay. Like it's over. Yeah, I'm sure he'll it's never over. come up again. We're, go- we're talking about the Jets game. Here, now.
4: Here's what I'm going to do as as the resident member and I will represent Adam bull. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will sign the peace treaty with all Baker bros and affiliates mm-hmm. that we will now turn the page. That's we, a great idea. We shall we shall smoke the peace pipe.
2: We're all not here. He might be getting in the car and driving <laughs> out. Here. You know what? So here's what would happen if he was there.
3: You know what? I'm not ready to turn the page yet. I want to tell
2: something
3: right now. Baker sucks! Baker sucks!
0: (laughs) I think, I know we've turned the page already, but I think I can speak for Bull when I say that he wishes that Baker was starting for us against New York this week. I think that he would say that, right?
3: Wouldn't he? No. I don't know that he would say he wishes, but I think he would say we'd probably have a better chance of winning. Yes. The waste that wish on that, I'm not sure he would go that far. No, no. No.
0: I'm kidding. He would say, I'm
3: glad the bum's gone! So, so, um, every morning uh, our producers put together a little social media tweet and some days I copy it and paste it. Some days I, I forget uh, today. McNugget sent one that I put out early this morning immediately and it basically said um, uh, Ravens gash the Jets pass defense can the Browns do the same mm-hmm. and I just cut it pasted it boom sent it right right You thought you had all kind of insight and in then that. when I went back and read it again. I'm like <laughs> what up I wouldn't use the word. You didn't say gash. What did you say? Carve up. Carve up. Okay. They did. Carve up. They really didn't. Three touchdown passes. They had at least twenty yards. They had two hundred and ten yards or so in passing yards. Did you, Zach? Did you look
5: into the advanced stats here? They barely
3: had the ball. Wait a minute. They scored twenty-four points. Here's what carved up is to me. Carved up is four hundred and fifty yards, five passing touchdowns. That's carved up. I would say. Did they carve up? My car, My
4: carve ain't that high <laughs>
6: right <laughs> My car carve,
4: my, my carve is like what's three, your carve up? My car carve is like 320. even for Lamar Jackson rim. Oh for for Lamar Jackson if Lamar Jackson threw three touchdowns and it's over 20 yards for him that's a that's a that's a record
2: day. Mm-hmm. He was killing oh, the I game. Don't know. I don't he know. went home
4: feeling good about Jason, himself. Is that carved up.
2: <sighs> it depends on the game depends on the game situation. I think what happened to the Jets against the Ravens was the safeties let him down. The Jets have really good cornerbacks. Is that because of the fear of Lamar running the ball? Cause yes. He,
3: he did not run the ball well at all. It's almost like the Jets decided, okay, we're going to sell out. Yeah. Lamar's not run. beating us with his
2: feet. Yeah. Let's see if he can beat us with his arm, and he did, especially on the long touchdown. Uh, the Rashad Bateman, I think, fifty-five yards. Yeah, fifty-five, yeah, yard 55 yards to Bateman. They ca- I was, I was, I think that they caught the safety, sneaking Peaking. up, peeking, yeah, tra- and, and they they caught him on a long run. So it wasn't. There you see the numbers on soft on Sauce Gardner and what he did as a rookie, obviously. But the Jets' corners are really, really good. I think the safeties a little bit susceptible, particularly against teams that like to run the ball. You mentioned Lamar Jackson. Obviously, the Browns fit that mold. Not so much with Jacoby, but with the guys in the backfield. So you might be able to catch them, catch the safeties. Yeah, but the corners are really good. I guess that's the best way I would answer. So that. so then the next part to that question is whether or not
3: he carved them up. He had some success. Yeah. Um, m- my question is based on what we saw from Jacoby Brissett in week one, we know that they're going to probably put eight in the box, maybe at times nine. They're going yep. to to beat the Browns. You got to do what? You got to stop the run game. So they're going to be heavy key on hunt and Chubb. If those safeties get over aggressive and start Peeking in, yeah. does Brissette have the ability to find the guy behind the secondary no. or take advantage of one mm. of those? Cuz I didn't see no. that go, on Sunday go, at all. Go ahead, Polk. you take this for me. Go, I go will. Ahead, um,
0: all right, <clears throat> let me try and sum this up. Um, no. <laughs> no, he does not. <laughs> yeah. That's he not. definitely does not. Uh, that, you don't I'm even not, need to I do not that, have right? a lot of faith in that. No, yeah. that's not gonna happen. I mean, G Bush, do you? <laughs> I just tossed it to my man. But, <laughs> but the good news is, I think as you, you, know, you know, I know, no, it but I do think. I think that they I, I, again, I think Baltimore had that option and so they exploited that and I and they didn't have a lot of options in the run game, right Wasn't Dobbins out or Am I wrong about Dobbins that? was out Dobbins they Dobbins. signed I
3: think Kenyon Drake like yeah, the week of the game or maybe a week or So we or pretty something. much have
0: the opposite problem. We have like a we have a, a, an immobile quarterback and uh, who can't throw and they have a mobile quarterback and kind of throw with and they have no running game and we had a running game. So I think it'll just be I just don't think that just whatever their defense did last week, yeah. I don't think if we, if we're going to be approaching it from an offensive perspective entirely differently. So I don't know if yeah. it's representative of what how we'll look.
3: But Jay, your point is you got to throw at some point. Well, well, I, I don't know about that. Right. Yeah, let's let's I, I'll, co- I'll
4: compare it to like this. Really?
3: I'll compare you to like this.
4: You know how uh, you are a guy, right? Every man has only two pairs of jeans. Mm. One of those are his going out jeans. Mm-hmm. If your wife says, Hey babe, let's go to the store and get you another pair, you're like, these are these are my worn these are broken. Yeah, these are fine. These are good. What do you mm-hmm. mean? I'm, wow, these I'm go, with everything. Man.
3: I've got about fifty pairs. I, I, yeah. one, of, I own. one of
4: them pairs is broken and ready to go, mm-hmm. and that's your moneymaker. You know what you look best in. This is my shirt. I'm putting that on and I'm gonna wear it out. And this is what we're gonna do. Now, as far as as the Baltimore Ravens go. And as far as the Cleveland Browns go, Baltimore with Lamar Jackson is exponentially better. People think he can't throw, but he just showed you the different levels. Even a guy that you think
3: can't throw just threw for mm-hmm. three touchdown
4: passes. Against the Jets. That's ja-
3: why I was surprised when you said for Lamar Jackson, three touchdowns was a record day. I think this guy can throw. Well, I've seen him throw at an MVP level. Well, compared to Jacoby Brissett, he His, can throw. He can throw. Okay. And the Browns mm-hmm. will be
4: doing exactly what they did with that one pair of jeans, which is the run game. And if you don't. Like, who cares if we know you're going to wear them? That's what we're going to do. And they don't even it nice. dress it up. No, we're no. not dressed. It. Uh, in
0: this so, scenario, Jacoby's a stiff pair of jeans from the gap. Is yes. that what I'm getting? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just well, sure. I, it's probably
2: too tight. I was making sure. The numbers that we've ran out all along about r- running doesn't guarantee you anything. <laughs> you have to throw the ball to win. Yes, I agree with you. At some point, they're going to have to throw the ball to win a game. I don't know if this is that game. Yeah, maybe not right. the Jets. I think that with the the Jets are not that their good. Their offense looked absolutely backwards. Yeah. They're, oh, the Jets are awful. With Joe Flacco, wow. Mm. And their their line is a wreck. I'm sure we'll probably get into this later in the week. Yep. I don't want to take Mikey's material for later in the week. Right. <laughs> their left tackle they just put on IR, so their right tackle is now their left tackle. Yeah. He had a bad day. Miles could go nuts. Their tackles are not good. Like, the Jets can't move the ball. So, I don't think this is the day where we say they have to throw the ball to win. Could yeah. they catch him? Like, you know, the, the pass interference at the goal line, on the duck that per threw through and, and the, and the Panthers DB bailed him out. Was that, I don't remember now. Was that DPJ? It, it, uh, it, it was Cooper. Okay. So you might catch him on one of those. You might get, you might be able to pop wow. one. I think I honestly, I think if someone's gonna have a big catch, it could be DPJ or Schwartz. I forgot Just because those, and yeah, you know what? A lot of people did because it didn't factor much about into that. the game, mm-hmm. but guys, that ball's pit. Yeah, it should. Yeah. I mean, and around, even if there's picks. not pass interference on that play, that ball is picked. He was beat so badly. Was His DB bad. was beat so badly, he just wrapped him. When all he had to do was turn around, he could have picked it. That's right. how badly
3: it was. Yeah. Oh, I, don't think, I don't think he knew where the – he knew had no the idea Cooper where the ball was, I was doing by this. The way, in he had the, no and idea he just where
0: said, I'm going to tackle him. It I was, was a yeah. stupid play
2: because you get the ball at the one yard. The funny the thing absolutely. was
0: being there live for that real quick and watching the crowd because I saw that, and you know, we always complain if you're the home team about whatever call particularly yeah, yeah. passenger interference. Yeah, and they didn't watching complain the crowd about that No, one, at they? first though, because you can't see from everywhere. Right. And all they see, they can't see what happened. They don't see the replay yet. They see the so pick. they're all you excited. See, they're all like, oh, when they see the flag, they're like, no. And then they showed it they're like, okay, yeah, no, that was, he tackled him like eight seconds was, before the ESPN, ball. And
5: they broke that play down and they have the expected completion percentage. They said that ball was underthrown by 24 and a half yards. <laughs> to
3: put it well, wait a minute. 24 and a half yards, he'd be twenty-year-old no, 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 deep th- in the stands. No, no, That's what I'm saying.
5: Based on how it was open, like at his current speed. <laughs> oh, like, right. It hey, was they got... twenty-four. Where it landed was twenty-four yards short. So, Mike, your answer Anderson. was the best answer. Yeah. Is he equipped to be, take take advantage of that? Yeah. No. What, what no, they no, got he's not.
4: ESP ESPN, they got Doppler radar now. No, you mm-hmm. know what they do? They have first do you of realize all, twenty-four yards
5: is like 60, 72 feet. That's a How much is it That's short. a quarter of the field. Yeah, I don't
3: even know how you <laughs> underthrow a guy that much. What's fascinating to me is they do have they they have all these simulated computer uh-huh. programs that will tell you the percentage that that ball had a chance of being completed. Just, and I
0: bet that was 0.1. Just Jacoby Brissett's luck that all this new
3: technology comes out right when he's starting for us. It's just like, you can know, we put all the radars away? The and technology like, I that I I'm most bad. love is the CBS was, I think CBS was using it, but it, they didn't have it at the Browns game. I wish they had. On field goals, they tell you 47-yard try. Mm-hmm. Then it says... Would have been good from yeah fifty eight yeah mm. and they're doing that based on the trajectory of the ball and the ten feet high crossbar that is outstanding technology and yeah. I hope
2: yeah. we get to see Cade York because I would have loved to have seen mm-hmm. what Cades would have been good from. Well, did you see right before we we the show came on the Pro Football Talk story, Mikey? I don't know if you have it, where Florio said like he saw an end zone view and when Matt Rule was complaining that it was a fake spike, he was right. And it should have been a 68-yard attempt. Yes. And it probably him. would have been good. And it, but I, who knows if if Stefanski even sends him out there to attempt a 68-yard Well, you out. see the situation hope, last what, night. I mean, what do you do? Oh, not. we can get into that. But what do you do if you're the Browns? Do you attempt a 68-yard kick with a rookie in his first game? And it would, or it was, a quarterback you mm. can't even get into the 20? And it would have 20. been third
3: down. No, because it's a loss of down on that penalty. It's a loss of down. Yeah. You would have had to kick. Yeah. I mean, yep. you, I mean, you would have had to have kicked. Because – his range, we know, we've seen it, is 70 yards <laughs> right, in pregame. Right. I, that would have been – can you imagine if he broke the NFL record in his first game?
2: So That's crazy. So, we can use that if we can, like, take 30 seconds to talk about the game last night. Did you guys see oh, the game? Oh, my God, I did I see it. But, and before we go into Russell last Wilson, game, can I ahead. drop one more stat yep, for you guys? Yep. This
5: just came out. Pro Football Focus released their grades for week one. Yes. You want to hear how some of the Browns ranked? I would love to. Terrible. And then we'll get into last night's decision because it is worth talking about. Jacoby Brissett the 29th-rated quarterback with a PFF grade of 46.9. Who was low? Yeah, who was worse? That makes three worse. Baker, Baker probably was. Baker was 28 oh, wow. with was a 47, higher. so 0.1 above. Wow. Yeah. Nick Chubb was the 4th-rated running back. Wow. Wyatt Teller, the number one overall guard. James Hudson, the number 11 tackle, filling in for wow. Jack Conklin. He did a okay, great that's job. A, you know what? That's we didn't great. we didn't have
2: to we didn't call you his, didn't his name didn't say much. his name the once. The fact that we didn't even mention him, and, and it's and now it's Tuesday. Now, now, yeah. now,
5: now,
4: the kicker the, is... Tell him Jedrick Wills is great. Gee, man, he's Yeah. I'll have
5: to look at his. He's not listed in the top of anything. 50. Martin Emerson. 50. 50. Martin Emerson, yeah. That's 19. Quarterback. Cornerback. Okay. 19. Joker, number seven linebacker. Walker, wow. number seven linebacker. And Miles Garrett, number one overall player in the NFL.
3: Highest rated defensive player of week
5: one. Oh no! Overall, offensive or defensive? Oh, overall,
3: I just thought defense. I didn't. Know. No,pe Wow. Number one. Nine, overall play. That, I 94. gotta say that surprised the hell out of me. Ninety-four.
4: Do you know? I talk to John That's Costco all the time. To we have him that. all the time. It's almost impossible to get a ninety. Ninety-four mm-hmm. like that, it, it, especially as many plays as he played. That's crazy.
2: Yeah, it. It uh, blows and, your mind. And guess what? Like I just said, the Jets left tackle. They're a mess. Yeah, he's going to have a feast against the the Jets. That's delicious.
0: I ran into Emerson's dad after the game in Carolina. Yeah, and we were just out doing some stuff for the station, grabbing some stuff, and he – and he just, uh, they're like, he was with his family. And it's like, do you know who this is? And I'm like, yeah, I'm familiar with the fathers of all of the rookies. Yeah, and what yeah, they I look committed like. them all
3: to memory. No, yeah. I
0: talked to him. He was real proud. Of course, he looked like he was like 28 years old. The dad does. <laughs> you you know? right, I'm like, right? are you not still playing? Black don't crack. It was, man. <laughs> and then, but also the kids, like, I'm sure, I'm sure that the kids, like, 20, so sure. it makes sense. But How was dad? Good, good, good dude. He was good, good dude, super yeah. proud of his son, good family, family right. and the family was all cool, that. super excited. They're Floridians They came up for the – And he played yeah. well.
2: Yeah. Really so, well. So, uh, this is worth mentioning. I was kind of annoyed on draft day when they traded down because George Pickens was available, some yeah. of those other top receivers mm-hmm. were. I was they too. They passed on all of those guys, yep. but they came away with Martin Emerson and Cade York out of that deal. Yeah, they, tra- I saw- they traded down to get the extra fourth to mm-hmm. use on the kick. And those yeah, were the I agree. two best-performing rookies,
3: I yeah, agree. in my view from from uh, week one. So we got to
2: let time play out on all these <laughs> trades and drafts yeah. and everything else and the catch that Pickens made on Sunday. Was unbelievable. unbelievable. Absolutely amazing. I think catch. he's going to be a stud. He's yeah, a it looked like it. It, it really, really looked like but it and the, a
3: big spot too. Yeah. for crying out loud. But
2: Emerson's a really big corner and and remember a lot of people on draft day were kind of raising an eyebrow at the Browns going you you reached on him that's yeah. too high. But if they hit on that and obviously with Cade, it, it, I think that was a trade with the Texans too. So going back to Houston, they didn't help him with with Deshaun winning that game but Houston May have really given the Browns a couple of good players with that. Track. Are you
0: hearing good things about Emerson though? People are liking him. He had too. a good camp. Okay. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, the pre, the inception, yeah, he, he, yeah. he,
3: he looked physical. Yeah. Yeah. He's not afraid to go up and, and, and fight for the football, not just strip it away or right. knock it away. And his
2: size, I'm telling you, man. They don't bigger. have guys like that. No. He's long, right? No. And he's big I have, and long.
3: I have
4: not seen him turning around, looking at Delpit and John Johnson. Like, who was that? Right. Yeah, what right. happened? Was that me or was that mm-hmm. you? Yeah. I ain't see all that. We got a little time left, but. I,
3: I like what he does. Good. All right. Um, as we look at this matchup, and today we're going to talk mostly about uh, the, how the Browns' offense attacks the Ravens' defense. The one thing that was a little bit concerning to me is I just glanced at the numbers. I didn't watch every play from that game. The Jets' defense did hold the Ravens to 63 yards. Now, obviously, the Ravens' running back, is their, their backfield's a mess. They signed Drake, I, I think, the week of the game. when it it was obvious that Dobbins wasn't going to go. But they still held them to 63 yards, and that includes a really interesting day for Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson did not look like Lamar Jackson on the ground. And so let's try to extrapolate that Jets defense and see if what they can do against the Browns run heavy defense. Jason, do you
2: do you like that matchup for the Browns, even though the Jets defense did hold the Ravens in check? Yeah, I wouldn't pay too much attention to that. The Ravens obviously are not the Browns in terms of what they have in the backfield. And and you just mentioned Wyatt Teller being, I think, I think, Mikey, didn't you say he was the number, number one, one guard? guard. Yeah. yeah. And and go and look at Dan Orlovsky's Twitter feed. He pinpointed one play I saw that. Of, of Wyatt where he basically took on two guys and, and jabbed the, the, the guy shifting and then cut caught the guy coming inside. The Browns have a fantastic offensive line and now the jets are, are, they do have a good defensive line. Quinnen Williams is their big defensive tackle, uh, but he kind of comes and goes. He's not, he's not Aaron Donald. He doesn't, he doesn't have that motor on every play, right? But the, the, the middle of the jets defensive line, I think is probably their strength. Their ends are good as well, but I think the Browns can get the push that they need. I don't think anybody's stopping Chubb and hunt and I wouldn't pay much attention to the 63 yards that they held the Ravens to. I think the Browns Good. can move the ball on the ground against them. Yeah, I don't think you should read too much into that because, I mean, obviously the Ravens, when you
3: look at the Ravens' backfield, outside of
0: grade. They got one like,
2: guy, Lamar, that's it. That's you, it. They got one guy. How's the
3: Ravens'
0: O-line, though?
2: Beat up, I think. I'm trying, I don't know. I don't I don't
0: okay.
3: think, I looked at their grade, I think they were a C.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think not, they were
3: a C on the, the grade that I
2: saw. The Browns, by the end of the year, I mean, we got to talk about Jedrick Wills, but that may be the only question spot. Hudson I, I was shocked by that but you know it makes sense because we didn't we haven't mentioned it like normally nope. with you only mentioned that was L- a huge Lyman. concern Sunday absolutely yep. before the game I, I mean, thought that think about Hudson's last game in Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh where looked... Baker now, now Baker made clear he wasn't calling out Hudson he was calling out the coaches for not giving Hudson help sure mm-hmm. and look how badly Hudson struggled against TJ White. I remember now, cursing him a lot yeah,
3: way, to that point um, I, I talked to Bernie about that and I said who is this on you know, the fact that they weren't giving him help. And and it just, it was unbelievable. You're putting the defensive MVP yeah. against a guy who was clearly over his skis. Right. And you're sliding no one. There's no, sometimes there was no tight end lined up over there. Yeah. And Bernie said, actually, Baker's got to take a lot of that pressure, a lot of that heat. Mm-hmm. Because Baker has the ability to slide cover. He has the ability to send a tight end and stand someone over there with him. Well, and he didn't.
2: I, I, during the offseason, I poked around on that and basically was told, listen, he had a lot of chances to get rid of the ball. Like, there's a lot of opportunities there for him to, basically, the same thing, putting it back on Baker. Yeah. So it was just, I, I mean, thought it was just, degring, just
3: that he wasn't getting calling protection help for himself. Right. Quarterbacks do that all the time. Yeah.
4: The best protection, uh, going back to the running game, is running the football. Um, offensive linemen, you know, pass blocking is is an essential part of what you do as a uh, as an offense, right? But. Offensive lineman, you ask any offensive lineman, what do they like to do best? They like to run the football. Running the football is the equivalent <laughs> of them being the aggressor. Just like on defense, they want to blitz. We want to rush the passers, defensive end, tackles. So if you get a guy, guys coming off the football, now all of a sudden they're the aggressor. And I'll tell you from this perspective, I, there may be eight guys in a box, but one of the most disrespectful, worst days of your life is lining up against a team that you know is going to run the ball and you have to just go up there, put your hand in the ground, and you're getting doubled, you're getting zoned, you're getting blocked, top blocked, you're getting gap scheme, And they do a, a good job of a variety of running game. It isn't just zone or stretch. They run the whole gambit. So every time you line up, you have to read your keys. You could get reached. It's a bunch of stuff that can happen, and that's why the Cleveland Browns, when they got two guys like that, and they come with that running back game, it's so difficult to stop because those two monsters just keep coming. They yeah. just keep coming downhill, and it's and, and after third quarter, you're like, man, I'm still tackling this dude. Now you gotta get off a block. It's so hard to stop. Two and we yards. saw it
3: again Sunday with Chubb, the yards after contact. You know, there were times that he was touched either at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage, And still ended Mm -hmm. up with nine yard runs. And at that point, you just, as a defense, you just shake your head and say, even if they do hold their blocks or or if they can get off their blocks and they can try to get a hand on him, it doesn't matter because this dude is so big and so strong. If you don't get two arms on him, he's loose. And he's running free. Hearing
0: that crowd react to that was the first time that crowd has seen him play live. I'm sure, yeah. and hearing them it, like it just looked like it was going to be a typical dead run play that didn't really go anywhere. And you just hear me be like, "Yeah," when there's contact, like, "Oh,
6: oh <laughs> no, <laughs> oh no!" That like, roller
0: coaster. And hearing them all like, like <laughs> Ow! but
3: every like you can almost see them wrapping it up, like, "All right, we got What are you?" Going And you know what? It's like death by a million cuts, too, or a heavyweight that is just pounding the body, Uh pounding the body, pounding the body. And when you're watching at home, you're like, that punch didn't look like that much. Right. But it was the (laughs) 534. Cumulatively. (laughs) That that took the fuse out of the fighter's legs. Mm -hmm. And you can see that he has that effect on a defense. And remember,
4: like, I remember a couple years ago, this used to happen a lot. I remember Ohio State. Um, when they were rolling, this is when they had—I think Terrell Pryor—they and they had a bunch of guys out there. The one game that they really struggled was Navy. They—they they lo- remember it, that. And it, they it the took a—it took a roll interception or something, and he took it 90 yards, and they had won the game by a couple points. But when you play triple option teams, you don't—you 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 don't prepare for that kind of and stuff. And you never see it. You never. Same thing with the Browns. There's maybe two teams that will be as run heavy as the Browns in the league. Maybe the Titans, maybe the Titans. But when you talk about it, teams have to prepare for that. They have to prepare. And you know they don't tackle during the preseason. Right. You know they don't tackle during the regular season, during practice. So when they get out there, it's a different level because they're used to guys having nickel corners out there running around playing 707. seven. Yeah, that's not going to work. Browns right. got a whole other vibe.
3: Well, I'm pumped for our next guest because offensive line play is going to be pivotal for the Browns. And our next guest for – a, a, nearly a decade when he was in the league was one of the guys that set the bar. Mikey, you have a read before we bring in uh, Mitchell.
5: I don't have a read. I just oh. want to say we're honored to welcome oh. Super Bowl champion. Yeah, we are Brown, former Chief Mitchell Schwartz. Yeah. Look at that smile, baby. Making his yeah. ECSS debut. I remember hey, man, that handle. smile. Mitchell, it's great to see you, man. Um,
3: so w- 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 we're trying. Is his audio up? I, didn't, I don't think. He, I don't think his audio is yeah. up. Yeah. No, he. Oh, is he it, just it, okay, I didn't hear him. Uh, So Mitchell, one of the things that we've been watching really closely is the play of the offensive line. It's going to be pivotal this year, clearly with the run game being essential to the Browns. What did you make? Did you get to see the, the, the Browns season opener? And if so, what did you make of how the line performed? Yeah, I didn't think we had his audio, mic. We're seeing levels. Hold on. This is the second okay. time this has hold, happened. Hold on, Mitchell. We're, we're, uh, there, there's a Mitchell, we'll switch. Get, there's I'll, a gremlin I'll in, in our sec. board. We'll get back to you in one sec. Yeah, so we're going we're gonna to work out that bug and then see if we get I'm glad that we actually have a chance before he comes on to um, to talk just a little bit about his career. I remember when the Browns drafted him. I think he was his second so- or third? So- second round pick. Um you know, on draft day, it's not the sexy pick. Right. And I'm like, wait, who? What? Mm-hmm. And then I saw him in first couple of games. And I'm like, oh, wow, okay, this dude's legit. I knew he was an Iron Man, but I always just thought that, like, Joe Thomas was was the Iron Man. Yeah. But I was looking at, at his bio. He didn't miss a snap until his seventh season in the league. Right. Even then, it was just a couple. He didn't miss a game until his last season in the league. And he missed it because of COVID. Wow.
6: Man.
4: Like,
3: this guy just played. He was, was, I was Joe Thomas. That I was, was
0: salty. I was salty.
3: Me to too. Him. That was
0: more more than, one of those never made sense to us. And, and I didn't like the Alex Ma- I never understand. And if you ever talk to Alex Alex anybody, to. nobody could ever explain uh, let's uh, let's why, do, why that let's happened. Let's do take two real I quick. I think it. we got
5: the audio issue figured out. Mitchell, sorry about that. You know, technology isn't always our best friend, but. You fixed now? There it is. There it goes.
3: Mitchell, welcome to the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. We're thrilled to have you. We were just talking about your Ironman abilities and how you really you never missed a snap until i believe it was midway or late in your seventh season and it wasn't until your last season your ninth season where you missed a start and that was because of covid that's incredible
1: Yeah, I think it was actually towards the end of my eighth season before I missed the snap and I remember talking to Joe Thomas and uh, we were talking about that snap streak and I was like, man, I'd really like to break it because
6: you have every (laughs) other record. I would
1: just want like one thing that I could potentially have over you Uh, and that would have been it. But I I couldn't beat him because, you know, Joe's Joe and of course he he gets all the records. So Mm -hmm. I got pretty far and I was pretty proud of that. And then... uh, yeah, it came out just for a few plays, hurt my knee, and uh, came back in. But yeah, it's something that I saw him. I saw Alex Mack. You know, we had some really durable guys in the O-line room, and it's a, a lot of luck, to be fair. I mean, uh, you can only you know hope that a bunch of guys don't land on your leg at the wrong way for so long. But there is an element of preparation and taking care of your body, and the stuff Joe does, you know, throughout the week, all the stretching, all the stuff that looks really boring and monotonous, and uh, that that's what made him who he was and made him so special.
2: Mitchell, before we get to the, the Browns game this week, we were talking about your time here, and, and you were the one that got away. How in the world did that happen? What happened? Did they try and bring you back? Did They were an abomination at the time. Were you one of those guys who was like, you know what, I'm good, I'm going elsewhere. How did it happen that you got away from Cleveland?
1: No, I mean, my gut was to stay there. I think a, a misconception is that guys want to leave I think for the most part you know you've been in the city for three four five years you make a ton of friends. I mean, Joe Thomas, Alec Mac, Alex Mac, John Greco, all guys who are in my wedding. So, you know, awesome friends, lifelong friends. Like, you don't want to leave that work environment. You know, I met my wife in Cleveland, her family's there, her friends are there. And so, you know, you kind of just want to stay. Now, people were advising me, hey, you might want to go somewhere else. You know, <laughs> I think the football could be uh, a little bit better if you got out. But, you know, I don't know that, you know, my only experience in the NFL is being in Cleveland and going in that overline line room every single day I mean, obviously the on field success wasn't exactly what we wanted, but every single day we had such a good time together and we had so much fun. And so I didn't necessarily want to leave that. Um, so going kind of into my fourth season, Cleveland wasn't really uh, looking to resign me or anything. And we just kind of realized, like, all right, we'll wait till after the season and, you know, kind of figure that out. And so uh, after the season, I believe... People got fired again.
6: Sashi <laughs> uh, so took again. over. That's, and, that's a good guess. It was, it was Ray if Farmer. I guess if people think got last fired, two you years. didn't
2: say people got fired. <laughs> uh, wow. yeah. Go
1: ahead. Yeah. Uh, just wanted to make sure, you know. Uh, no, but Farmer got fired. Sashi so took over. And so it was a bit of a all right, well, let's get our bearings. Let's hire people. Let's kind of figure out the organizational plan and then we'll get back to you. And it kept taking a while for them to get back to us, and um, you know we kind of wanted to just have an offer on the table once you know we got to that free agency period, where we we're allowed to, to talk to teams, and uh, it took a lot of kind of digging to get an offer finally, and, and they did send out an offer, but it was uh, kind of modeled on the Brian Bulaga deal, which Green Bay notoriously has no guaranteed money past the first year, so it wasn't exactly what we wanted in terms of you know, total value, in terms of annual average, in terms of guarantees, so. Uh, We said, you know, thanks. We're going to see what free agency has to offer. I mean, as the player, once you're past that fourth year and the games are over, like, I think it's pretty dumb to sign with your team before free agency hits, because why wouldn't you see what's out there? And so... I go out, see some other offers. You know, the market isn't quite as strong as we expected, but we go back to Cleveland, try to negotiate a little bit, get some more guaranteed money, get some more annual average, and then um, wake up the next morning and hear that there's no offer on the table for me anymore. And, uh, you know, there was never a deadline. There was never, uh, hey, you know, we just, you know, got to wrap this up before free agency officially hits, kind of none of that stuff. So, uh, that was a disappointing part is, you know, I probably was pretty close to coming back because the other offers out there weren't what I was expecting. And so, um, it also makes me think realizing, you know, I left Alex Mack left, I think Travis Benjamin, Deshaun Gibson, there are a lot of really good players. And I think the organizational philosophy was, you know, offer these guys deals that kind of on paper appear strong-ish deals, but realistically, they're going to turn down, they're going to get more in free agency. Um, because we want to be able to say, Hey, we tried to retain them. We offered X amount of money. They just wanted more somewhere else. But I think in my case, I was actually close to taking it. So they're like, nah, we don't want to spend the money this year. So <laughs> wow. no more offer. That makes it um, even worse so yeah, that's my, to know that that's they didn't story. have to move
0: much to keep you. And they still didn't. Wow. wow. Sometimes I don't think this organization makes the best decisions. <laughs> <laughs> Historically speaking. Oh,
4: my God. They offered you an indentured servant deal and then took it back. Like, no, nah, that's a little bit too much. I'm like, that just goes to show. I always, always said, some teams don't, ain't, ain't trying to win.
2: There's there's a few teams every year trying
4: to win, but you know what? And they were not. That's trying That's why to. they
2: still have 50 million in cap space because they've been rolling it and rolling it and rolling it and rolling it. Well, that's true, but and that it, all
3: goes away next year. Absolutely,
2: and, and they it cost them good players along the and way. And Mitchell, like
3: Mitchell, so for you, it works out. You win a, you know, you're obviously a Super Bowl champion now. Um, what was that whole experience like after experiencing some some difficult seasons? And that's being nice uh, in <laughs> Cleveland. You you end up. Uh, at the highest of highs, and a Super Bowl champion, a couple of Pro Bowls under your belt. Like, what was the tail end of you that, the second half of your career like, compared to the first half?
1: It's pretty incredible. I mean, I'm someone probably was a little bit jaded on the Cleveland experience, and just kind of watching Joe and a guy who can be that dominant and never get to the playoffs, never really have the team success that you want. And you realize you're kind of just a tiny part of this whole thing and that you can be the best in the world at what you do, but it might not matter, you know, that much in the grand scheme of things. Um, So I kind of always had that philosophy that you just kind of do what you can control. It would be great to have team success. I mean, that's definitely a big reason I did choose Kansas city um, once I decided on that, but it wasn't like, all right, my whole career is, all to win a Super Bowl. Like I, I just, I wanted to play good football. I wanted to have good fun, and I wanted the team success. But it wasn't something that I, you know, was straining myself to do all the time. And I, I kind of understood that I was a piece of that puzzle. Um, and then, you know, we had some playoff success. It was a lot of fun, but it's also disappointing to play more games and to be really disappointed after it. You're right. playing higher stress games against better competition. You're getting paid less. Like. Going to the playoffs and losing just sucks. There's really no good way uh, right. to end the season unless you win the Super Bowl. And then once we finally do, it clicks, and I'm like, "Oh man, this is incredible!" And it honestly kind of changed my life. Um, you know, after that, we realized you know Kansas City was home, so we bought a place to to remodel and live here forever. The connection with the city, with the fans, uh, with teammates, you know. It just, it all kind of fell into place for me after that. And I realized just how special it was. And so uh, I didn't know that it would mean that much to me until it happened. And obviously, very glad it did because it's just, uh, it's such an amazing experience. And even seeing, you know, a guy like Alex Mack go through that experience with the Falcons, obviously, we know how that game ended up. But like, you still don't necessarily realize just how cool and how special uh, it can be. And um, like I said, really, honestly, just like a life changer. It's incredible what that can do for you.
4: You know, Mitchell. Um, one of the big things for offensive linemen is you could be a great offensive lineman. You just mentioned Joe Thomas, and you might not have the impact that you want because you don't have the pieces and parts, and namely the guy under center. When you were in Cleveland, we know the T-shirt in the jersey with all the rotating <laughs> guys. When you got to Kansas City and you started playing with Patrick Mahomes, what was the, your first impression of, oh, this is different? <laughs> oh, we, we might got something here. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, when I first got to KC, it was Alex Smith. And even that was like, oh my God, like this quarterback is doing stuff I've never seen before. (laughs) You know, the previous year we had Josh McCown in Cleveland. I had the same experience with Josh. Like Josh was doing things that none of the other quarterbacks I played with could do. And I, you know, I remember a game against Baltimore. There was, you know, an under front kind of five guys on the line of scrimmage. Terrell Suggs is playing outside linebacker. And he tells us like, hey, don't block Suggs, block this linebacker instead and I kind of like look back at him like are you serious dude and sure enough Suggs dropped the linebacker came and I was like how do you know that like this is just a base front we're supposed to five down it And for me, like Josh McCown was, I mean, obviously he's played for all the teams and all the schemes, but like (laughs) that was a moment of, wow, I didn't know this could happen with a quarterback. And then you go to Kansas city, Alex Smith, extremely sharp mentally, obviously, you know, physically doesn't have the downfield passing um, just pure arm strength, even though he led the NFL downfield passing the year before Pat took over. And then you get to Pat and it's the combination of the body, the brain, kind of all those things coming together, the field vision, the leadership, the awareness. And yeah, it's, it's, the thing that was most fun was going back to Twitter after games and catching up on my timeline and seeing all the incredible plays. Because for the most part, I'm blocking. And especially as an offensive tackle at the top of the pocket, like you kind of get to the point where your back is to the play. And so I'm not really able to see a lot of his awesome plays. So it took Twitter, it took (laughs) The next day in the film room, the offense line coach stopping the film, just being like, "Hey guys, watch 15 on this one." <laughs> and you're just seeing things that you've never seen before, and it's uh, it, it's it's really special. And you know, it's kind of hard to describe um, just the kind of confidence you get as a lineman as a team when you know I know the guy behind me is going to do what he's doing, but also that maneuverability, that escapability. Uh, if I do screw up, he's also going to help me out with his legs.
3: So, summing it up, it was really hard to leave Cleveland. <laughs> 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 hey, you know what? I mean, I, I Mahomes wasn't can...
1: drafted yet, so I didn't <laughs> know that was going to be much <laughs> yeah. <mental> right.
3: <laughs> uh, I don't know if we can do this, but I just saw breaking news. The Browns have unveiled what their what their field scheme is going to look like. Remember, they yeah. let the fans vote. Mikey, I don't know if you can pull this up on tag board. Yeah, I'd we love to get right Mitchell's reaction to this. I like it. This is the one I voted for. About time. And I think that is absolute fire. I love the Browns in the end zone with the logo and the AFC, but the the I don't know, I just I, I love the Brownie at midfield. I think it's About great. Time. Mitchell, what do you think of that?
1: I think that's pretty awesome I think it's got you know it seems like teams are going a little bit more towards like the classic and vintage Um, you know having that logo in the middle I do like that Um, you know the helmets pretty cool but it's just a helmet at the end of the day so having something that's a little more unique a little more you know that the fans can really uh, have a connection with and looks pretty angry running that ball got the Heisman stiff arm so I think that's pretty cool.
2: Nothing says intimidation like an elf. Yep. <laughs> if that doesn't strike <laughs> fear into the but heart. But it's a large-scale elf,
1: so it's, it's not a,
3: really it, an elf. It, it actually is. It's a giant elf. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. so y'all yeah, that's hatin'.
4: me. Y'all hating, man. Y'all be hating. Y'all <laughs> Y'all just want the vanilla. Just wear the white jerseys. I remember it was a time in my life I didn't even see the Browns wear any brown jerseys. They just had white on white. the whole time. But all because through the 80s. It, yeah. All through yeah. the 80s. No alternates. And I used to ask my dad. Do do we didn't they not have enough money for two
0: jerseys or something?
4: <laughs> and he's like, son, just it don't know, it's not. It's just the way the uniforms work. But.
0: Mitchell, did you, did you ever care about what kind of jersey you were wearing? We all get everybody gets hung up on the colors of the jerseys and stuff. Did, were you like, did you get excited?
1: Oh, the excitement is going to your locker and realizing you're not wearing white on white. Um white on white is an offensive lineman's disaster. Yeah. <laughs> it's the way to make us look the fattest and the most disgusting. Thank so you. if I could go to the locker and not Thank see white you. on white, I was stoked.
0: Look at those big sloppy babies. Every, every That's single, what it looks like.
4: Every single time these players come on here, they validate it. You guys might not think the jerseys count, but when you go to the locker room and you see them, you be like this man, we we already gonna lose. I will say
1: <laughs> with with Cleveland's jerseys in particular. Uh, especially with the newer version uh, I forgot if that was 14 or 15 That they were unveiled But with the newer ones It's the socks that pulled the jersey together mm. So the the top and bottom combos Whether it's the white, the brown, the orange like Those go together really well And kind of are interchangeable but depending on what sock choice they make, it pulls the whole <laughs> thing together, or it just looks terrible. Wow! And so it's one of the weird quirks because there are those colors, <laughs> and because Cleveland seemingly has like eight different socks that you could wear on game day. Mm-hmm. Like whichever one they choose to go with the jersey, kind of completes the look, or it makes it a disaster.
3: Mitchell's like a renaissance man. He's a uniform critic. Game man. day, like, that's that's awesome, <laughs> awesome analysis. I right love there. you, brother. Where else you gonna get him. That's and like you- the pocket square, you know, going with the tie. Yeah. He's saying this. The, the socks, socks got a, the uniform. They, they pull it all together. Um. I don't know if you've had a chance to watch everything from Week One, but you know what's your thumbnail reaction to where we are in the NFL? I know the Chiefs looked very good. I'm not sure what the Cardinals are going to be, but is it the Bills and everybody else? How do you how do you view it right now?
1: My kind of big picture view is I feel like there weren't as many teams that had really good games that i expected in week one or like a ton of optimism um you know the browns needed a rookie kicker to nail a 58 yarder to win the game against a carolina team that most people don't have a ton of expectations for um obviously the bills look good the chiefs look good but there are just a lot of teams that even if they won they just yeah you know it was a good game but it wasn't like oh yeah it's week one and we saw this and we saw that and now we're really excited and we're going to be 12 and 5 and you know win the division uh so i think the you know league seems to be top heavy right now especially in the AFC bills chiefs I think uh, you know chargers are working their way up there as well and in the NFC I mean as wide open as really a, a, a conference could be and I think that's my biggest takeaway is just the lack of like oh man week one was awesome we look great and I'm super excited for the rest of the year because I know our squad is going to dominate
0: Pittsburgh obviously surprised some people by beating Cincinnati how do you think the AFC North looks and what do you think that's going to mean going into week two.
1: Well, they're all just gonna beat up on each other same as always uh you know that division especially now i mean it kind of got into a bit of an arms race with you know pittsburgh being the stalwart for a while ravens get lamar they catch up they surpass you know since he gets burrow they pass you know cleveland last few years the success they've had so all four of those teams can do some damage i still think pittsburgh i mean you had five or six turnovers and you Needed a injury to a long snapper to win a game, um, so I'm not you know super sold on that being the winning formula, especially with Watt injured now. Uh, Cincy, very concerning the the, the uh, you know offensive performance they had. Again, granted Pittsburgh's defense pretty good, especially when Watt was rolling there. But um, not playing in the preseason, you know, might have been to to Burrow's detriment. So we'll see if he can turn it around a bit. I think Baltimore is kind of the team you're banking on to kind of best infrastructure best um, kind of marriage of what they've been in the past and what they should be this year but of course the defense has question marks as well I think again you're trusting it's Baltimore they're going to figure it out they always find these rushers in the third fourth round and they kind of piece together the defense and it looks pretty good at the end of the year and obviously you guys are all excited about Cleveland so it, it should be a, a pretty good uh, race this year they should all kind of beat up on each other so I don't think it's going to be you know a, a 13 and 14 that really runs away with it.
0: Just Mitchell. to be clear, we are hoping that Joe Burrow does not turn it around a bit. I just want to be clear on <laughs> yeah. We hope he keeps it where it's turned right now. Uh,
2: Mitchell, Jacoby Brissett. <laughs> Go. Go. <Yeah. laughs> the floor is yours. All right. He exiled. Did you say right, less ex- and ex- have it be more loaded?
1: Um, <laughs> no, I mean. <laughs> you know, I mean, I this just, is this is kind of who he is. This is who he's been the last few years. I think there was a little bit of success early on in his career where you could say, all right, he's young. There's some projection. Um, but I think the projection phase is over I think you know this is kind of the guy this is who he's going to be I think that's why you know on a a larger scale I mean I'm not as tied into all the Cleveland media outlets but I think on a larger scale the the biggest thing I saw was are they really going to go with Jacoby for the majority of the season and why aren't they upgrading why aren't they trusting to you know get somebody else because we've all seen what he's been the last couple years and it's a guy that in that offense can do enough things to win you a game when the line takes over, when the running backs take over, when the defense is doing what they do, and Miles is taking over. But I don't think he's gonna, a guy that's going to elevate the offense, going to elevate the offense, um, the play of the skill guys. And I don't think he's a guy that you know is going to allow his coordinator to be like, all right, uh, we're going to open it up this week, we're going to attack down the field. I think it's going to stay in that run game, play action, kind of quick passes, and you're just you're limiting your top end. We've seen every scheme uh or every you know of this kind of shanahan mcveigh uh run scheme that has had a guy similar to this they've all tried to replace him with someone who has more top end ability so i think there were maybe a couple moves to be made that they could have gotten someone a little bit better for this run um but you're going to rely again on that run game on the defense and you know now with a, a stud rookie kicker making some kicks at the end of games
2: i lost my voice screaming for jimmy garoppolo for weeks but you see where that got us so whatever But you mentioned earlier about Joe Burrow and you thought he should have played in the preseason. We had the discussion yesterday. I don't know if you saw at the start of the show, uh, the start of the game yesterday or Sunday, that the Browns had some problems getting lined up. They had to burn a timeout early. The play clock kept running down on them. Is that a product of not playing in the preseason?
1: Yeah, I think it is. And there's this element of like, Mental preparation that you don't get by playing in the preseason that I think is probably a little bit more important than the physical. I do think the physical is very important to get into those games to kind of get the heart rate moving, to get used to a little bit of the physicality. And all right, this is what a guy lining up against me that I don't know that I, you know, I'm game planned for. This is what he's going to do. These are my reactions. And it doesn't have to be the whole game. I mean, even I mean, Andy Reid's a guy that plays the starters as much as anybody and they don't really play into the third quarter. So it's a quarter, it's a couple drives, it's a quarter and a half, potentially the first half, but realistically, 30, 35 plays, that's not a ton of plays. But there's that mental component of, Getting nervous for the game, getting you know ready for that, the anxiety the night before, the day of, um, running onto the field for the first time, having gone through, you know, I'll just say that Saturday night before the first fifteen, it gets unveiled and studying that and making sure that you know all those plays are down. So I, I think that the league is going to start trending more towards playing uh, you know quarterbacks and especially lines the first uh, few preseason games because. Um, you know, we saw it go drastically where guys were trying to protect their uh, their players. And it just seems like those teams aren't having quite the amount of success in week one that the teams who are playing players have. Um, so I, I do think there's a, a benefit to playing in those preseason games and getting uh, especially that mental strain kind of out of the way and getting ready for what a season's going to look like.
3: That's great analysis, really, because I mean, I, I... Can't speak to all the teams, but I don't know how everybody used their starters. But well, this know, is the we, stat for you guys? We talked yesterday. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it was clear watching the Browns; they, they, they it looked like their dress rehearsal yep. in week one. Yeah. And you can't <laughs> use regular season games, uh, or, or you can't use preseason games for game one as game one in the regular season. And that's what it felt like the Browns. Five did.
5: teams played their starting quarterback and offensive line less than three series in the preseason: the Browns, the Rams, the Packers, the Broncos, and the Bengals. How did those wow. five teams do offensively? They're all 0-5. They're all, They're they all 0-5, lost. and they all struggled huh. offensively. Well, wow. the
4: Browns
3: won. Right.
5: Well, the Browns yeah. won. One and four. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, I, you're one You're, right. and four you're but just one used to saying offenses. Cleveland lost? The
3: Cleveland that's what's going yeah, on? Yeah, you know what? That felt like, it, it, <laughs> it felt like a loss, i got to tell you.
2: But here's, here's the only thing I'd counter in Mitchell. I'd be curious to get your reaction on this. Last year, they did the same strategy, and okay, they lost oh. to Kansas City, but they played fantastic. Like, they were ready to go in that opener against the Chiefs. Baker played well until they needed them the last couple minutes. Yep. And they looked great. But they, they played together a lot. And, and yeah, is that the difference that it was? It, it, Baker was in is going into a, what his third year at the time. So where's the line on that of who needs preseason and who doesn't or do you think everybody does?
1: Right, I think everyone should play just a little bit. Now since he's different, Burrow did have the injury. So you know you could say that he didn't play because of that. Whether they would have played him, I don't know. Uh, they had a new, you know, offensive line. We all know they, they tried to upgrade the O-line. Didn't work in week one. Um, But I think it is a little bit context-dependent. But the flip side, I mean, I'm most recently used to Andy Reid, who plays his guys now as much as anybody. Mm -hmm. And he did something different this year. He played, you know, one to two series in the first game, uh, you know, three to four series in the second game, kind of into, you know, the end of the, the first half and the third game. But that third game, he didn't play Mahomes. So he played the rest of the offense with Henny at quarterback, Sorry to bring up Chad Henney to you guys, but yeah, that's, um, oh, that's something that gosh. you know <laughs> that's something that Coach didn't do in the past. He would have the ones go out there. The quarterback would start, and maybe Pat gets pulled after a drive or two, but he completely iced Pat and played everybody else. So I think maybe that might be the trend that if you play your quarterback at least a little bit in preseason game one or game two, you feel good about a couple drives. You get some of that game action. You're still able to play basically everybody else a few series. Um But I just, I don't know. I mean, I know we've talked about a couple years ago. It seemed like teams were having success not doing it. Um, But I think the other element to this is the preseason is structured differently now. And the biggest difference is game four used to be Thursday. You'd have a weekend off, and then games would start, you know, 10 days later. Now, game three, which is the last game, is spread out over this five-day window. So you have teams that have, like, 17 days between the end of game three and... The Mm -hmm. beginning of the preseason or the beginning of the regular season so even if you are playing in that game three it's still over two weeks before your next actual game action let alone if you aren't playing so that's where i think this different schedule is going to benefit teams that play a little bit in that game three because you have two to two and a half weeks to kind of recover from that and you know i'd like to think 15 to 20 plays isn't a ton and even again like you stretch it to 30 that's not that many plays in the grand scheme of things
4: you no know, Mitchell. I, I, I watch the Kansas City Chiefs all the time and I always make the comparison. I, I it, it seems that Andy Reid always plays his his scheme to what they have um, whether or not it is it's Kelsey and they lose Tyreek Hill. I turn the game on and now all of a sudden uh, Juju Smith Schuster is good again. <laughs> I'm looking around and I'm like <laughs> Edwards Hilaire now runs the ball and they're, they're, they're running the running ball and now they're physical. I, I just don't understand. Sometimes other coaches getting away from what they have as far as their tools. Um, how does how Andy Reid do that um, in, in, in the context of how he gets his people and his team ready to play? In contrast to some people who kind of just have their specific playbook that they put on anybody who comes into the organization.
1: Yeah, and that's a good question because there's a couple elements to it. There's one which is, you know, rule number one of any offensive coordinators checklist of things I have to say in my first meeting is you know, this is your offense. We're going to tailor it to your strengths. You know, well, they all say that. And then realistically, the majority of them, the reason they get fired and get moved on is because they don't tailor it to their guys' strengths. They do what they're comfortable with and what they think should work. And it ends up not working because, you know, you have guys that don't necessarily fit that. And so obviously coach has the cachet, the kind of bankroll to be able to say, I'm going to do it my way. And if there's a couple bumps here, uh, people are going to trust me and we're going to ride this thing out. But I will say in general, and I don't think the people the fans kind of the media that don't interact with him on a daily basis get this but he is like a very aggressive mindset Mm -hmm. personality as that coordinator that coach Uh, i think we kind of see him as this awesome guy he's a little bit more soft-spoken he doesn't uh you know talk too much in the media he makes sure he praises everybody Mm -hmm. but kind of behind that you know he is really confident he's really comfortable kind of being on the aggression Being on the aggressive side of things. So I think there's the element of he trusts his players and he trusts the good as opposed to fearing the bad. And so he's not thinking like, oh, well, maybe my O-line can't hold up on this. He's like, no, I got these guys, they're good players, they're gonna block it up, and we're gonna attack down the field. So there is that element that he very much has this mindset of attacking, of confidence in his players, and then you as a player get confidence as well, you know. I'm on the front side of this play action, which is every offensive lineman's worst nightmare. And, you know, I run it a couple times and now, okay, well, I locked the guy up. So maybe I can do this. And now the next time he calls it, I have more confidence in it as well. So there's that element that, um, you know, Coach Reed has that mindset that people don't necessarily know about. Um, But a coach should. You know, tailor his offense to his players. It's just uh, the coaches that don't have that confidence, that don't have that trust in the players to kind of mix things up. That's when you know things start to look a little bit different. And I think you see that a little bit more with kind of this run play action you know scheme, where it's harder to mix things up unless you have that top end quarterback. I mean, we saw that with McVay that once he got Stafford, okay, now we can go shotgun, now we can go five wide. But when you don't trust the quarterback, when you don't have the guy that you think can do it, um, you do lean into the more conservative side of things and you kind of force your scheme on your players.
0: Mitchell, I have a point and a question. First of all, my point, we showed some of your very impressive stats earlier, lifetime career stats, and they are great. But I will quibble with just one. And that's the one that said that you have zero penalties in playoff games. I think the browns deserve a lot of credit for that i feel like we helped you stack up <laughs> some some of that stat early on like we didn't give you a lot of opportunities to, to have any penalties in play well you
1: game. can't divide by zero so that's you know true. Maybe not.
0: that's true i'm just saying it's kind of a cheap one he, he is a cal berkeley guy <laughs> yeah, yeah see, and my, my uh my question though is you said that your wife is from here that's great um and that means you have to be stuck here sometimes. You have to come back and visit us whether you like it or not, and hang out and everything. When you are in town, what are some Cleveland? A couple of Cleveland spots that you like to check out, whether it's uh, a bar, restaurant, exhibit, whatever you got to check out when you're in town.
1: That's that's a good question. So we usually stay in Crocker Park. Uh, you know the hotel there is somehow insanely cheap. Like I don't know how because the, the hotel's the Park pretty good cheap. and that area is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like we usually drive in, we've got our two dogs and the dogs love it there. We can walk them every day, a bunch of smells, bunch of stores. Um, so that, that's the place that we typically stay, you know, food wise, um, we do like town hall. We like, you know, Chef Rocco. So Fahrenheit's always a good one, mm-hmm. um, kind of the, fast casual we love aladdin's you know we're big into mediterranean food so uh that's one that we kind of always try to hit which you know sounds like it doesn't necessarily need to be a a destination eating spot but like usually we have a long car ride and we kind of just order it when we're 30 minutes out we pick it up and (laughs) we get to the hotel room and, and we go to town so um yeah a lot of the uh you know, I'm not going to really say anything that people probably don't know about. Um, we kind of just hit the old favorites, and That's cool. um, those usually tend to be the, the first few that we think about. Aladdin's
3: is good stuff. Yeah, it well, is. the chicken sandwich at Town Hall is like, it, you're full for two days. Yeah, it's good sandwich. It's good food. Hey, before we let you go, um, I got to ask you the question about Andy Reid um, dominating, towering over the competition um, in the punt pass and kick <laughs> competition <laughs> when he was like in the sixth grade. No. Before we show the video, Mikey, hold on. I'm sure you've seen it. Did did you you guys used to just ride him forever on that video?
1: No, but it does get brought up like every now and again. Like maybe someone will slip in the photo during a presentation, or you know, you're kind of in the, the the dog days of the season. There it is. So he's allegedly the same age as all those other kids. <laughs> and, and he's three times the size. It's amazing. Uh, but now every now and again, if, if you know maybe Pat throws it into something, or one of the coaches, uh, you know, there's a kind of a tradition where on I think it was Saturday mornings that. Uh, one of the coaches who did the presentation would kind of work in uh, as he was showing some college clips of you know situational stuff. He'd work in clips of guys in college and kind of tie it all together. So you know, every now and again, the uh, you know Andy Reid might have gotten a
0: shout out in that.
3: It never ever fails no, no, no. to
0: Just imagine crack being one, me one of those up. other kids there watching that. Their
3: parents, their parents had to yeah. be like, someone's dad is on the field. Check his in, in a real Rams <laughs> uniform. That's not like the youth league yeah. Rams uniform. That is an official Rams <laughs> players uniform that he's I,
4: wearing. That's a 4x helmet.
3: So that's, that's, a, that's
4: a X. <laughs> he has a lineman's head he has his face is is outside of his face mask he's
3: 12 that, there that's a huge helmet bro oh my oh gosh, gosh. M- mike, mike mcnuggets our producer has a question for you before we let you go
5: last one here mitchell but i had i gotta ask how in the world would you block miles garrett
3: Oof.
1: uh very nervously and probably not effectively <laughs> 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 i remember uh Luckily, I haven't really ever had to block him, which is awesome. Wow. Um, but I remember asking Joe. All right. First off, the whole hilarious, like, Miles honed his craft while going against Joe Thomas in practice. <laughs> Joe was practicing, like, once a week at the time.
6: So <laughs> they barely
1: faced each other in <laughs> practice. Dude, just uh, so that, so they didn't have too many reps. <laughs> and the one video that came out was, like, a screen pass that Joe was purposely trying to ride him upfield. And everyone's like, oh, Miles, blow by Joe. But I talked to Joe, and I was like, dude, tell me about this guy. And he goes, he's Von Miller quick and Khalil Mack strong. And I was like, no, like I call Joe Mr. Hyperbole. Like he tends to lean into, you know, Mm -hmm. the most ridiculous statement he can make. I was like, there's no way. He's like, no, I'm not joking about this one. He's Von Miller quick and Khalil Mack strong. And I think we've all seen like that's the perfect way to describe it. Um, And yeah, as an O-lineman, I mean, you just try to hang on for dear life and he's (laughs) going to win some. You know, you go into that game, you're not expecting a perfect outcome. You're just hoping that he doesn't take over the game.
3: Mitchell, I keep lying. There is. I have one more question. Um, as I'm listening to you, you're obviously a very bright guy. Your knowledge of the game is incredible. Um, I could see you coaching. I could see you in the booth as a color analyst for a game. Just because the way you see things and the way you you know the, the way you dissect the game, it's obviously very good. What is your post-football life like? And do you have any ambition to go into either one of those those avenues?
1: coaching not traditionally in the coaching sense you know those guys were crazy hours and mm-hmm. for the most part they say if you've made enough money don't do this unless you're crazy and you just like absolutely can't get enough of it um but i could see a scenario where i could kind of be a consultant i could get, you know called and hey can you help us with this guy or what do you see with that guy i think uh you know i watch enough football anyway i kind of have an understanding on you know which offense linemen are are playing well or which guys could use a, a couple nuggets of advice so i could see something like that um You know, and in the media world, just kind of doing various stuff here and there. Um, You know, similar to I keep bringing up Joe, but that thirty third team that we're working with. um, You know, sign on to that, so at least I'll have a platform to kind of do a couple longer form things every week. And uh, you know, it's difficult. You know, I don't get the all twenty two film myself, and I don't uh, you know have the the greatest editing capabilities so um, as much as I love to do some more offense line breakouts and kind of do the stuff that Baldy's doing and show off some cool plays it's a little bit out of you know my, my scope of talent so I think I'm always going to be involved in football stay in it um, what that looks like I'm not exactly sure you know as an announcer I love football so much. I don't know that I want to give up my weekend of just being in my basement watching all the games to be on the road and to travel. And eventually, you know, once we have kids, I don't want to be missing you know kids stuff on the weekends during the fall. So uh, I'm not sure that that's you know the the perfect role for me um, either. So I'll probably just kind of do little things here and there. And if things crystallize and they make sense for me, um, I'll I'll continue with it.
3: Very good. Listen, it was a total pleasure having you on, Mitch, and uh, it's great to see you again. And uh, enjoy the rest of the twenty twenty two season.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. That was a lot of fun. Thank you,
0: guys. We're Absolutely. sorry. We're sorry we lost you, but we're glad that our stupidity got you a Super Bowl win. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
4: Thank you.
3: Bye, man. Well, well said. Thank you. Um, up, I, could, the, I could
4: see him in the in the booth. You know what the best part about the interview is? I love how he just slyly just snuck something in there. He was like, uh, "What are you gonna do?" And uh, Mitchell was like, uh, nothing. I'm rich, dog. <laughs> a little here and there, watch some games, but like, I ain't going okay okay to be coaching. It. Yeah, okay I love it. it. I love it. He just was like, I ain't doing nothing. I'm not getting up at
3: 5
0: a.m. to watch <laughs> dudes run.
3: <laughs> What's that about? It's funny. The real smart ones that are set up, when you ask them if they're getting into coaching, they're like, <laughs> hell no. Uh-huh. Because I, I, I remember um, talking to a guy that thought for a minute he wanted to do that. And he, yeah. they found out he had to do an internship and the whole thing. Oh, yeah. He was like, yeah, I was doing like 18-hour days for a couple of weeks before I decided this isn't for me. So oh. No one works harder than NFL coaches. It's, I don't like 18-hour weeks. Man,
4: listen, when you start holding them cards up to the scout team talking about you going to block the nose here on two, you, you rethink a whole lot of stuff like, hold on.
0: I'm yeah,
6: range.
4: yeah. What am I
0: doing? What, what in the world a am I? doing? Sharp guy though, man. Really sharp. Knows guy. his stuff. Yeah. I'm surprised yeah. he doesn't do more, and
3: hasn't. We haven't seen him do more. I would listen to him on color of a broadcast. Because
0: also, one of the most linemen
2: make usually make very good color. Yeah, things. they're the best. Ta- journalists know. Yeah. Go to the linemen. Yep. The linemen Always. are the best talkers in the locker room. He scored a 35 on the Wonder List. That's incredible.
3: And the average is 20 or 21, I think. I'm yeah. not sure, but I mean, I. For a while, we really placed a lot of emphasis on the wonder lick. I don't and I think know they do it anymore. They don't do it anymore. Yeah. Are they we going to do it, a thing where
0: we all take the wonder lick? I feel like we should do that. I I'm did sure that. that's been I, done. I, I did that I with my co-host at ESPN. Okay. I
5: was thinking, Anthony and I were talking a couple of days ago about the good bet, bad bet, loser winner punishment. Yeah. I think a loser should have to do everything that an NFL player has to do in the combine. Like oh. run a 40, do the bench press. Wow, that's good. Do some drills, take the wonder lick.
4: Are you trying to get somebody's – Are you trying <laughs> to hurt somebody? Somebody's yeah. somebody, yeah. somebody gonna <laughs> die. <Does Republicans laughs>
3: right.
5: Cover the blown ACL. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. we're, uh, we'll look into it. You're Have you run- contracted? We're not contracted. So yeah, definitely this, this not. This is true. Have
4: you run a short shuttle? <laughs> I don't even <laughs> <laughs> know if I my body go down that Dude, far. You know what? Anymore. When you said short shuttle, content, my knees kind of
3: ached, both of them. Mm-hmm. I yes.
4: ain't never. I ain't never running nothing. Unless it's from the police. Mind sure. <laughs> yeah
3: then don't lose. Simple as that. Don't lose. <laughs>
4: yeah. I uh, won't run. I won't resist. You I'm lying. Don't pull they there looking for you. You could for. do the
3: vertical, you could do the, the standing long jump. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to get hurt doing that. I would hope. What not. you mean, The broad I, broad mean, I top could top manage to, I bet mean, I could manage to well, get hurt doing standing up. No, you, LeBron, you still play basketball, don't you? No. Oh, I thought you still
4: hoop. Oh, no, I don't do anything. Yeah. I'm I'm the version of Mr. Schwartz without the money. I don't <laughs> do nothing
0: <laughs>
3: without the money. Without the
0: bag. I'm uh, not gonna do none of that. Did we
3: cover everything? I th- I think we covered everything with him. We wanted to. The other uh, nugget, the, the other
0: nugget that I liked was that Josh McCown knows every defense because he's played on every team. He's played every. Oh, he said he's been in our every season. Yeah. Ever he knows the team. <laughs> he knows it. He's, he's played like, it. Oh, I remember this formation because yeah. he's been on every don't
3: team. Don't block songs. He ain't coming. <laughs> and he was
0: right. That's
2: a good strategy, being that, on every team. But think about that. Like, if you're Mitchell Schwartz, you're this young lineman, your quarterback tells you don't block yes. songs. Yes. And you're like, Are you crazy? Yeah. My offensive line coach is
0: watching.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> going to get cut tomorrow. I, I like that he said, Here, I, I didn't know that a quarterback could could know that. Because the guys that he had played with before, right. Oh, man he could write a book yeah. nice. and you know what when i was when as he was telling his story about how the browns just weren't interested mm-hmm. you there could be a book with 20 chapters all of the colossal mistakes and i'm not sure his would even make the top 20 because at the time he was a he was already a great player he was established and it was a head scratcher but alex Mack was too yep. Yep. and there were a million, there's a million others a, a book of the browns fails yeah. each chapter brandon Whedon. a lot of them would be quarterbacks yeah Brady Quinn. Johnny Manziel's probably chapters one, two, and three. Yeah. And yeah Why don't probably you get on that, write that book. I'm But keep you, away I'm, from sharp objects. I'm done writing books. And I wrote one. You could write that book. killed
0: me.